Welcome back, everyone. I'm Nicole. And I'm Crystal. You're listening to Las Brujas and Friends podcast. A podcast where we talk about legends and paranormal stories, sprinkled with true crime, extraterrestrial, and the like. A little disclaimer, we're not professionals, we're not historians, we just love everything scary. If you haven't already, which you should have, subscribe to and review this podcast. In today's podcast, we got a kind of request. Did we get a request? It came from you. It was a fan. A listener. A listener, yes. I'm going to be talking about the uh, where Jaguar. I say Jaguar. Is it Jaguar? Jaguar. Not Jaguar. 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 (laughs) Got to say it with the accent. (laughs) Yeah. It's very similar to werewolf, but But a cat version? Yep. And your story is? Wait, what, how do you say your story in Spanish? Oh, I'm going to mutilate it. I don't even know. Well, just say it. <laughs> no. Do it. Do no. it. I'm going to take your Spanish card away right now. Uh, at the very beginning, two minutes in. All right, I'll say mine. Because mine is in Spanish. And ah. I think it sounds way cooler in Spanish. Okay, go ahead. Mine is called La Mano Peluda. A.K.A. the hairy hand. The hairy hand. When I saw that, I was like, oh, me, I'll take that one. (laughs) That sounds so interesting. Mm -hmm. But yes, that's what I'm talking about. Well, you go first since you have tons. 5,000 pages. pages. All right. We're going to talk about the hairy hand. After we have hair, we'll drip on to four legs on our hand. (laughs) Another hairy creature. We're going to connect the hand back to the creature. (laughs) La mano peluda. I want to talk about this in three parts because it's... It's pretty big the way it circles all the way back around. The first part I want to talk about is the lore La Mano Peluda comes from. The second part, it is a radio show. So I want to talk about the host and the show. Okay. And then the last part is I want to tell you one creepy story from the radio show. And it creeped me out so badly, I couldn't listen to the recording on YouTube. No. I had to turn it off and I just had to read the subtitle. (laughs) What? I couldn't do it. I got scared. I got scared, okay? Okay. (laughs) So the first part, the lore. The lore is called La Mano Peluda or La Mano Pachona, which means the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I guess depending on what part of Mexico or wherever in Latin America, it's either one. Either way, it both translates to the hairy hand. The story goes that there is a disembodied hand, a hairy one, and it's a claw-like hand that crawls around in the darkness attacking children when they're bad. Mm-hmm. I think of Adam's family, but the yes. non-hairy hand. That's what I thought of. Maybe that's where they got it from. The Americanized this version? This is a very, very old story. Okay. So this hand attacks children when they're bad, per usual, like every folklore from Mexico. Their, the hairy hand will show up when children disobey their parents. I took a quote from somebody. Niño, si te sales en la calle, se te aparece la mano pachona, te llevará. If you go out in the street, if you disobey me... You're not supposed to be out in these streets at night by yourself. And if you disobey me, the hairy hand's going to come get you and it's going to take you away. Mm -hmm. That was the lore. There's one source that gave a backstory. They said the hand belonged to a man that was killed during the Inquisition. The hand was chopped off the man and buried in an old Indian burial ground. The hand comes back to life or escapes its grave to seek revenge. It's the only backstory I got off this hand. (laughs) 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 I searched high and low. That's all I got. So now let's get into, so that's just the lore. Okay. Very much like every other lore we've talked about. Yeah. There is a radio show back from the 90s that was called La Mano Peluda. 
So the show's first radio host was Juan. Well, not the first one. I lie. I totally typed that out wrong. He's the second radio host. His name is Juan Ramon Sayenes. Sayens, sorry, de Mexico. He was born in Mexico City, October 19, 1962. He attended university in Mexico and studied law. He worked in criminology for a few years and then ended up being a producer for a radio program in 1986, and that's the field he eventually ended up staying in. Yep, it's your passion. Sayens became a renowned Mexican broadcaster, but his most known role was being the host of La Mano Peluda. The show, The Hairy Hand, was a radio show where listeners would call in and share their supernatural stories, which sounds a lot like... Hours. No, no, no. Not hours. Tales from the Crypt. No, no, no. People who call in and share their stories. It's a podcast. Yeah. Campfire. I have no idea. What? Hold on a second. Er (laughs) You don't know about Jim's campfire stories? No. You do. Yes, you do. No. Cut. <laughs> you don't know about his campfire stories? No. People call people will literally call into the show and they will tell stories of, about their paranormal experiences. I remember the last one I heard some guys saw like a flying Batman. Not like Batman, but like a flying a giant bat that would fly over Texas all the time and people would always talk about it. Nope. What? I can't believe Jim's Campfire something. This is when we were younger? No, this is a very no. popular show right now. Jim Harold's <laughs> Campfire. You've never heard about this show? No. I'm putting Nicole on a new show. Woo! People call into this and it's literally, it's almost like what La Mano Peluda was doing. But obviously this is podcast, so there's editing. They can filter out stories, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But the radio show, people called in live. Yeah. So it was just like. Hello, caller, you're on the air. And then they would talk. So the show ran for 22 years, beginning sometime in... Actually, I think I know the date. I think I say the date somewhere. <laughs> it started in 95. Ended in January 12, 2017. Mm-hmm. It's not even that old. Yeah. That, well, when it ended. On August 13, 1995. That's, there's the date. Ruben Garcia Castillo founded the show La Mano Peluda with the director of the station, Mario Cordova. Okay, so Castillo, originally he founded the show with the other guy, with Mario, yeah. and he was hosting it, but eventually he passed off the position to Juan um, Saenz, the guy we're talking about. So mm-hmm. Castillo had the show first, and then he didn't want to do the show anymore, so he, so he offered it to Juan, the guy we're talking about, mm-hmm. Saenz. I'm calling him Juan because Saenz is a really... I know I'm going to mess that up at some point. Juan is way much easier to remember. Okay. <laughs> he passed it off to Juan in 99. He offered the host position to Juan because he was starting to have terrible nightmares. Castillo was as he was hosting this show. So he said, Juan, do you want to do this? Um, wow. But Juan. So Juan was the host of this show from 99 until 2011. Castillo came back and he hosted the show because Juan ended up passing away. Which we will get into. Whoa, that's she, dark. Mm-hmm. This show ran Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. until midnight. It was a two-hour show. It was popular, obviously, for all those late shift workers. A lot of late-night taxi cab drivers would call in. That was like one of their um, demographics was taxi drivers. <laughs> the show had over 53,000 stories by the time it ended. Well, yeah. 53,000. That's yeah. a lot. Uh-huh. And then I wrote the last thing about it was it's kind of like Jim Harold's campfire story. (laughs) 
that you didn't know about. Sorry, Jim. It's a good one. It's a good one because you get to listen to different people. It, you know, if it keeps cycling through different people so you don't get bored. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. Except sometimes some of the stories you hear, you're like, come on. No. (laughs) This didn't happen. (laughs) Maybe it did. I don't know. That's just how I feel. Anyways, on to the creepies. Okay, here we go. So this is, the story pretty much is just how people speculated Juan's death ended up happening. What? In 2002, Juan put a collar on the air from El Monte, California. The collar was Josue Velasquez, which I will call Velasquez from here on out. Velasquez shared his personal story when he called in about how he and his family came to the States through the Mexican border when he was a kid. He also shared that he was a satanic who worshipped the devil. Wow. Satan. Lucifer. Live air. Yeah. Oh, this show? This show was crazy. They have a bunch of different people. Um, obviously, they have. But is recorded. this radio show a Spanish? Spanish. It's okay. in Mexico, but anybody could call in. So this guy called in from California. Okay. But um, if you Google it and find recordings of it, it's creepy because they add so many background noises. They have cats screaming, knocking. That's why I couldn't finish listening to that recording because I was like, "This is so intense." <laughs> No, it's intense. If you want to get like super creeped out, like super creeped out, just put headphones on and listen to this guy's um, radio show. You will get freaked out just Mm. because it's so. Okay. So this guy, the last one, carry on. He said he was experiencing financial problems. I'm guessing when he was older. And after five years of trying to reach Satan, he finally succeeded in reaching him and made a pact with the devil, with Satan himself, in exchange for power and money. Part of the deal with the devil was killing someone important to him. So Velasquez ended up, he admitted this on the air that he killed his grandmother. He strangled her. Oh, no. Velasquez continued on about how he was finally financially stable. (laughs) After killing grandma. Yeah. Okay. But now he was being tortured by demons and he was scared that he was going to die and he was afraid of dying. And I saw some parts of this story that his grandma in the hospital showed that she died of natural causes. But he said that after he strangled her, the strangulation marks on her neck disappeared. <gasps> mm-hmm. So that's why he never got pinned for the crime. So Velasquez admitted all of this on air. Eventually, the call got cut because they were like, okay, that's enough. Yeah. But it doesn't end there. Juan left the radio show. He actually left in 2010, but in 2011, he passed away. So in 2010, he left the show, but he continued working with Paranormal. And it's crazy because before he got this hosting gig at the radio station, he was not into Paranormal at all. He wasn't into it. It's not that he wasn't a believer or a skeptic or blah, blah, blah. He just wasn't into it until he did this radio show. Okay. And then I guess it just like he got all into it. And so when he finished the radio show, he got in, he would um, collaborate with different paranormal shows. One particular show was called Extra Normal, which is a paranormal investigation type show, kind of like what we have now with ghost hunters and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he would collaborate and, you know, co-host and do all these different things um, after the radio show. Nine years after the call with Velasquez, Juan was reunited with him on this Extra Normal show. Yes. And it was the first time they met face to face. They had never met before this, only on the phone. May 19th was the date that they set for 
um, them to be all be on this show. Velasquez requested the interview, the one that called in and said he killed his grandma. Yeah, yeah. To be held on a boat so that the demons could not hurt the team. This guy was intense. Velasquez oh. was very intense. So he didn't want the team to get hurt. So he said, let's do this on the boat. I guess they can't get you on the But from our research, we know the water is a source of energy. Yeah. So maybe think about the other the other side of it after I tell you the rest of this part. Velasquez was recounting his experience during the taping of this show. One, and you can watch the interview. He starts acting really strange. You can tell from his body language that he looked very uncomfortable. The other people that were there, like the the other host, the camera person, the producer, all that, they also noticed that Juan started beginning to act strange when the guys start Velasquez started talking about. He was recounting what he talked about with Juan. He, like you could just see Juan's body language change, his facial, like everything changed when this guy started talking. And they noticed that when Velasquez was talking, that one of the things Juan was doing was he would clasp his hands together and like kind of rested on his stomach. And at first, the other producer, the host, they noticed as well, but they were like, maybe he's doing like some sort of like little ritual prayer or something. And he's just like probably praying in his head. Mm -hmm. So they didn't really think about it at first. They were just like, okay, that's his coping mechanism. Yeah. But I, you could just tell he was getting really squeamish. He looked scared. He looked like he was sick. Yeah. Like he was getting ill. Okay. That's what I noticed. During the interview, Velasquez starts having convulsions. And not convulsions to where he fell over and he started shaking, but he was standing and his body started shaking. And I'm watching this and he, it doesn't, I don't know how a person would be able to do that alone, like within your own body. It literally looked like somebody was shaking him. It was creepy. Okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, so it got, it got me. <laughs> I don't know why I got so into this that I did. And, um... He just started convulsing in front of everybody on camera, in front of everybody asking him questions. The show wraps for the night. They kind of just were like, all right, it's over. We interviewed him. The night's over. Segment's closed. They think they're done with this Velasquez guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, <laughs> they weren't done. Little did they know they weren't done. A few of the crew ended up going through some very bad experiences. A cameraman had to have emergency surgery a couple of days after. He said that while they were filming the interview, he he noticed that Juan was putting his hands on his stomach and then something, um, I guess, made him realize that his stomach was hurting. And I don't know if they were just getting like motion sickness on the boat. You know how when you start to connect things, you kind of just start coming up with reasons why that's happening to you. Either way, he started having those stomach pains while he was on the boat, didn't really pay attention to them. A few days later, he ended up having to rush to the emergency room because he had to have emergency surgery on a hernia he didn't know he had. Uh Uh-huh. Whoa. Then one of the other investigators on the show got into a very bad car accident, and he explained how this car accident happened. He said that he was driving late at night. It was after midnight, and like many other cities, it wasn't busy. There wasn't a lot of traffic. It's dark, so obviously if you, you're going to see cars around you because they're going to have their headlights on. Well, he said, out of nowhere, a car was behind him, coming up behind him at high speed to the point that he got alert like panicked and he swerved to the side and got into a terrible accident and ended up in the er wow uh-huh and that reminded me of our trip when we got high beamed in like georgia oh my gosh yeah, yeah. we were scared yeah. we were so scared that was weird because 
Mm -hmm. We were in the middle of nowhere. So we just came up from behind and it was, and I was like, whoa. Maybe were we in the fast lane and we weren't supposed to be there? Maybe. (laughs) See how we start coming up with reasons Mm -hmm. why? Anyways. All right. Oh, me and Nicole drove from California to Florida one time. That's what we're talking about. We hold a record too. Mm. (laughs) We were struggling. We were on Red Bulls. That's all that was going through our bodies. (laughs) Lastly, so we have. The cameraman that got emergency surgery on his stomach. Then we have the second guy who, the other investigator who got into a car accident. Lastly, Juan Ramon Saenz, the host of the radio show, and that retired in 2010. (laughs) Ten days after the interview on May 29th, Juan passed away due to severe gastrointestinal infection that caused a heart attack. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Yes. That got me. Thing is, he passed away 10 days later. The show hadn't aired yet. They only had filmed the show. And they still went ahead and put the show out there and it aired. And everyone, practically the majority of people that saw the show was like, that's why he died. This guy did it to him. He did it to all of you guys. All of you somehow were, you know, being with this Velasquez guy. Mm Mm-hmm. And Juan ended up dying. And he was the host of the radio show that interviewed him. Trippy. It was trippy. But how does that correlate to the Mano Peluda? What do you mean? His story. It doesn't. No, at this point, we're done with the lore. Okay. The lore is done. It's just the name of the show. Okay. Because when you look up La Mano Peluda, you won't find the folklore. All that comes up is the radio show. (laughs) I had to Google actually Dang. like folklore, La Mano Peluda, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for to like find out what the heck did this come from. Whoa. He. Did they ever interview Velasquez after? No. <gasps> I don't think anybody wants to interview. I wouldn't want to interview him. <laughs> no, thank you. You are not allowed on La Call Can you call him? <laughs> no, not him. <laughs> He's trippy. So in the segment that they had on, what is it called? Extra Normal. Yeah. He has this bone stick, walking stick. (gasps) It looks like a bone is attached to the top of his stick. It might be just, I don't know. I wasn't trying to look that hard because I was like, I started to feel sick watching this because I was was like, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, Yeah. I don't want to know any more about Velasquez. (laughs) No offense to any Velasquez's out there. No, none. So now this is the last part. Um, I'm going to tell you guys one story that aired on the radio show that I could barely get through. I didn't even finish the phone call. I told you I did not finish listening to this phone call. So this story is about Mrs. Clarita and her son. And this story was aired 1994. It's an oldie. She called and in the beginning of her story, she talked about how she started seeing changes in her son. And the changes all started after her son was playing the Ouija board. Wow. She said that the first change was he started to tell her the future, which in my head, I'm like, lady, why didn't you use that to your advantage? (laughs) Right? So maybe he was saying some crazy stuff where she's just like, okay, stop. Yeah, I guess she got creeped out because he would tell her, oh, unlock the front door. So-and-so's coming. And she's like, nobody called ahead. We're not expecting anybody. And then like an hour later, somebody, well, not even an hour later, like within a few minutes, somebody was knocking on the door. And it was exactly who he said was coming. Whoa. And then I think, oh, the next thing that the Mrs. Clarita actually said was that she didn't know her sister was moving. They They lived in different parts of Mexico. 
And he told her she's moving. She's moving to this place in this house, blah, blah, blah. And a couple days later, Thea called and said, oh, yeah, we moved. We moved into a new house. Whoa. Uh-huh. Okay. And obviously, did you talk to your Thea? No, I didn't talk to her. And then she asked her sister, did you talk to him? No, they hadn't talked. So mm-hmm. how would he ever know? He mm-hmm. was predicting the future. She got so freaked out by this that she threw the Ouija board away, which we know is not what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You keep that. You just put the plancheta in the other place mm-hmm. and the Ouija board in the other place. And that's it. You keep it forever. Her son asked her not to throw it away. He knew. He knew that throwing it away was not going to be good for anybody. And that's exactly what happened. The next thing Mrs. Clarita says is that her son stopped eating and sleeping. And this is all in the phone call. I was listening to the phone call at first. And it's she's crying. She's like... Not sobbing, not crying hard, but you can tell that she's in despair. She's not good. It gets really intense, and then she starts talking about how she's seen her son levitate. And then she gets even more intense because she's like, he's levitating right now in front of me. Whoa. Uh Uh-huh, and this is all happening on the air on the radio show. She starts... Kind of doing what people do when they're in uh, trauma. And she starts going like, nobody's going to believe me. Nobody's going to. And it's all in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So sorry if you don't understand Spanish when you (laughs) Google these. But they're all in Spanish. (laughs) And she's crying and sobbing like, nobody's going to believe me. He's levitating. Like, nobody's going to believe me. This is happening right now. Mm -hmm. And she starts even more panicky. And she's like, he's walking and his feet are not on the floor. Whoa. And Juan is telling her, he's um, telling her, I'll send somebody over there. You need to be calm. Everything's going to be fine. And she's just like freaking out. She's like, nobody's going to believe yeah. me. He's walking in the air right now. And she said that the first time, this was before she got really hysterical. The first time she saw him levitating that she tried screaming at him and like pulling him down and nothing was working. Mm. And he even said after the first time that he had no idea she was even talking to him or touching him. He blacked out. Yeah. So then at one point, the f- like it sounds like the phone falls. You hear somebody speak in the background and then the call cuts. <gasps> mm-hmm. And okay, so this is the thing. This is back in the 90s yeah. and it's supposed to be a paranormal show. So and obviously it's not like how it is today. They didn't ask for names. They didn't ask for addresses. They didn't have caller ID. They didn't ask for phone numbers. They had no information on any of these callers. So nobody knows what happened to Mrs. Clarita and her son. Whoa. Never heard from her again. That's, and that's crazy. It. That's everything I had. I tried to keep it very condensed and talk fast. Yeah. It's really good. It's really hard for me. It was really good. <laughs> Creepy, right? Yeah. Don't Google those late at night. But this is Spanish. They're all about the drama and yeah. getting you into the Hyping mood you up. and really trying to yes. scare you. Yeah. So if you Google these, it's not going to be like Jim Harrell's campfire stories. <laughs> <laughs> they're really intense. They're really crazy. They're really out there. They're wild. So good luck. Godspeed. <laughs> all right, y'all. So what I'm going to be talking about is going to be El Huer Jaguar. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, you said it. <laughs> Got it. And so where this goes is back to Mesoamerica, and this is part of the Olmec culture. So when I was researching, what I found was the where Jaguar 
is supposed to be the god of day and night. Now, history, let's go back. The Olmecs were the earliest known major civilization in Mesoamerica, following in a progressive development in Soconusco. They lived in the tropical lowlands of south-central Mexico and in the present-day states of Veracruz and Tobasco. In 1200 BCE to 400 BCE is usually the generally considered time period. The subsequent Mesoamerican cultures, including the Mayas and Aztecs, so there was both stories, but they were both very similar to what this was. Mm-hmm. Now you... I was looking at it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now that uh, we already are aware of the werewolves, that's pretty much what it is, but in a cat form. Now they were shapeshifters. So it was some articles said that it was a man. Others said it was a female. Some went into the point where it was a, a female human who would mate with a jaguar. And that's how they had babies. And Ew. in other articles that I found, one of them said that it was how Aztecs were to get the warrior symbol. They would pretty much kill a jaguar and it would be through a sh- uh, shaman. Mm-hmm. The, he would, you know, put all these concoctions and now you had the like strength the and everything. Of of, yes. Biologically, um, you cannot have a baby with an animal. Yeah. By the yeah. way, just saying. Debunked it. <laughs> So the jaguar in that time period symbolized royalty at night. He, Since he was a god of night, he would wander the underworld. I have a picture of the statues. It's evil? It's supposed to be one, yeah, because it's a god of day and night. One of the statues has an X over the eye. Some just used it as just like they lost the eyesight there and yeah. that was just a scar. Like a portal where they had the capability of the, seeing the underworld and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Right? Uh, the eye represents power and is ideally identified as a human-like form combined with the elongated feline snout and cleft head. So mysticinvestigations.com says that the fact that the knights killed jaguars as sacrifices to the god Tessacalipoca. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. In order to get their warrior garb to begin, they can't eradicate any jaguars ever again once becoming a were-cat. If they do super, if they do so purposely or by accident, they will be permanently turned into an immortal jaguar with the normal abilities of a wild cat. This tets tes clat. Lipoca? Man, you got all the words. <laughs> uh, will no longer communicate um, with them. And if they and if they ever did, they would be damned to roam the earth as animal forever. If someone were to kill the were jaguar, it was through a specific arrow that would go pierce through their heart no at a distance from more than t- no more than 12 feet. The arrow, just like a uh, werewolf, is to be made of silver and gold plated along with dipped with jaguar blood. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now it said um, the species of the work had originating in the Aztec Empire of Mexico. The Aztec shaman enchantedly had a freshly upchained skins. So then when it came time to for the warriors to be upheld and, you know, transformed into this, somehow the skin of the jaguar was like melted onto them. And that's how they morphed into this shape-shifting. That war. sounds like a really cool thing to see created. There's no evidence. That's the thing. That's where I was like, I need to find some type of evidence. This is all through like books. 
Hmm. Yeah. Pictures, I was trying to see if there was anything there. And of course, this is way back in the time where all of our statues are very blocky and you, yeah. know, you can't really tell. So, so you don't even have the You're trying to imagine, yeah, everything, yeah. So to become a night warrior, you had to capture, capture 12 enemies in one consecutive battle. The ones that naturally wore this jaguar pelt, um, they had a spectacular feat. So... And they would have their own magics. And with the magics, what they would do is they would have super sp- super strength and super speed. Aside from all that, I um, want both of the those. dangers were um, if uh, they were that sensual wear jaguar, they would mate with the opposite side and mm. then potentially maul them. They would get so into it oh. with their superpowers that they would maul them. Yeah, weird. Yeah, it, it's it's completely odd. Yeah. And then when they were saying that if they mated with the female, obviously the female would be able to bear children. This mm-hmm. is how it was automatically given that way too. So it's like mm. so weird. Shape shifting in women usually having that lead when it comes to that too, in order to you know put people under spells and stuff like that. But I was reading a story by uh, Gary Jennings. It's Aztec Blood. He pretty much just goes into a thing about uh, how he was born a bastard and he went into a tribe and was trying to be accepted by them and no one, everyone, everyone would turn him away and he didn't have a mother and all this stuff. Long story short, he um, has this woman, a shaman pretty much too, and she tells him, I can do you a favor um, as long as you know that you owe me a favor back. At this point, he's a young kid. She pretty much gets his sperm, impregnates three other women, and these were said to be the wives of the um, were jaguars because they could not give any offspring, I guess, because of their whole, like, morphing. Yeah. You can't reproduce. But somehow. So then why did she give him the sperm? She gave him this other kid, this bastard his sperm for them and that's how because they were somehow married to the jaguar that's how they would have offspring wait i'm confused they could have offspring with a regular human but not with the jaguar the other jaguar Mm -hmm. oh would they have jaguar babies Uh uh-huh it was really intense. I was like, yeah, "Am I very reading intricate. Fifty Shades right now?" <laughs> Spanish version. You're Let me change this. <laughs> no, what are those? The furries, the people that like to dress up with it. That's what I thought of. Yeah. Sorry, like no offense. I'm just saying. Like, that's what I thought of. Oh, and then also they. Um, when we talk about the Olmec people, they were also known their culture as a rubber people. I guess they were able to. <laughs> The rubber people. <laughs> yeah, by some guy. What were you reading? Marshall. So, <laughs> Marshall Seville in 1929 based the Aztec name meaning rubber people for the Olmec civilization. Why did they make rubber? <laughs> I have no idea, but man, I was like, this went the wrong way. I'm like, you're paranormal. You're telling me you're rubber. You have bestiality. Yeah. You're calling people rubber people. This is going all sorts mm-hmm. of directions. The guy got taken advantage of. Gee, mm-hmm. that's what I have for the. How do you say it in Spanish? No. <laughs> Here, I have it on YouTube. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what we do, guys. We put it on YouTube. We're Regigor. Yep. We're Regigor. We're Regigor. <laughs> Thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Aware Jaguar. 
Jaguar. See, I always hear it in a British accent when I want to say Jaguar. I would only assume these stories, if you were born in Central America or raised in Central America, like all paranormal stories, this was something your parents did to scare you so you could act right. This does also look very Aztec Mayan-ish. So yeah. obviously we have no people in our family that tell us these stories from mm -hmm. our ancestry. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we don't, we're not as connected to that. But I do, I was Googling it and I see a lot of people actually wearing the Jaguar yeah. outfit mm -hmm. in festivals and they still kind of like practice or yeah. show respect to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like look at these people, they're wearing Jaguar costumes and mm -hmm. they're fighting. You cover a lot of Aztec stuff. Yeah. You, oh, I'm always seeing these you, statues well, from your stories. I, but I always saw you did the makeup show or watched the makeup show where they did like the monsters. Mm -hmm. And um, they have the like, an, yeah, yeah, I think it was. Oh, yeah, that's right. They did have an Aztec mm -hmm. competition. Yeah. But the thing about this, because I'm looking at it and mm -hmm. there are very old statues with the jaguars. How true is this whole jaguar thing? Something yeah. could have happened because... These statues are not new. They're not modern. These are from a very, no, very, very long yes. time ago. Mm -hmm. It's really crazy how these stories get passed along. And when I watched a video, you can't find any evidence of... The headdress? Called? Yes. Mm -hmm. You can't find anything like that even with people who are buried in tombs. So just like, you know, the... Mm. Um, the Egyptians, Egyptians the you know how they had the pharaohs had they don't have any evidence for that so just like that you can't find anything for the mesoamerican culture either that's weird yeah. but it's all in statue form mm -hmm. that's very interesting they're very uh sacred and secretive mm -hmm. which I, but then how do we how do we prove these things <laughs> not only that this is in a rainforest you know, like it wasn't like it was civilization here, 2020. I was going to say, we're more worried about uh, survival yeah. <laughs> than like writing down history, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I thought about El Dorado. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that movie. <gasps> what? I know. you. We have it upstairs on TV. <laughs> we have DVDs. Okay? Yes, we do. I know a lot of people still have DVDs. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of online stuff too, but anyways. <laughs> I think that's it. That wraps up our episode. Yes. Let us know if you were raised with any one of these stories. Uh, comment. Leave us a comment and let us know. Uh, write to us on our social media platform. So Instagram. Everywhere. Yeah. Instagram, Twitter. You can mm -hmm. email us. Our email's on there. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll be uploading the picture on our IG today for that one so you can see it. Of the Jaguar. Yeah. Jaguar. I said Jaguar a couple times. Jaguar. Myself, Come on. Jaguar. <laughs> Tell us how to pronounce Jaguar. <laughs> Remember to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like our video if you liked it. Ring the bell. Comment down below. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it. And share it. Yeah. And we will see you guys next, next time. Week. Bye. Bye. This wraps up this episode. Subscribe to Las Brujas and Friends podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Las Brujas Podcast and on Twitter at Brujas Podcast. We would love to hear from you. Any feedback, suggestions, or personal testimonials that confirm these stories, we would love to read them. A question for you. Do you believe in where Jaguar legend? And I dare you, triple dog dare you, to listen to La Mano Peluda on YouTube. <laughs> Join us next week. We post every Friday. Bye. Bye.